Good morning. Here we are in July. Who would have thought it? Just yesterday it seemed like it was Christmas. But here we are. Yeah, we're in July and I'm sure your family like mine have been enjoying seeing some friends and family and getting out a little bit more and hopefully some more of that to come as the weeks go on. We've got a day trip planned to North Berwick next week. Who would have thought that such a thing would have created such <laughs> anticipation and excitement? As part of my job, I get to spend time, a lot of time with individuals, um, <clears throat> getting to know them and helping them to get to know themselves too. And a question I enjoy asking goes a little bit like this. I say, imagine you're about 85 years old. You've still got all your faculties about you, you're well. And there's going to be a party, a celebration for you. Lots of people are invited and lots of people have been invited to say something about you. What would you like to hear? Good question, isn't it? Good question and one that quite often people haven't considered. I guess it's really a question about legacy. And as conversations unfold, there's usually two strands Tend to, uh, tend to appear, two distinct strands about what legacy is. First, about what we've done, our achievements, our accomplishments, if you like. And secondly, who we are, our character and how we've interacted with people through our lives. And people quickly realize that actually it's the second strand, the character one, that's by far and away the most important. I guess with achievements, not, not everyone's on evil, even footing. We all do have achievements and accomplishments, but some are definitely more impressive than others. My winning the 100 meter sprint in the school sports day when I was about 16 years old, that's a good accomplishment for me, but it pales a little bit into insignificance when I compare it to Usain Bolt's world record run of the same distance and the three consecutive gold medals that he won in that event as well. When it comes to character, however, we are much more on an even footing. How we make people feel, how we relate and interact with others. Characteristics that we seek to develop and exhibit in life. We've all really got the same opportunities in those areas. And as such, we're building our legacy as we live, day by day by day, person by person by person, conversation by conversation by conversation. These last weeks, we've been looking at the life of King David. And as we draw the series to an end, we're just going to take a brief amount of time to consider some elements of his legacy. On the one hand, his legacy and his list of achievements, it's pretty impressive. He killed lions and bears. Who wouldn't want that on their uh, achievement list? He killed a giant that had been terrorizing an army. In fact, almost a whole nation. David was a legendary king, perhaps the best king Israel ever had. He was fabulously wealthy. He galvanized an entire nation. He was a brave and feared warrior. He was a talented musician and he was a prolific 
songwriter. And the list goes on. Quite impressive, as I'm sure you'll agree. That's what he did. What, what about the other one then? What about who he was? Here are some insights as to his character as we find them in, uh, in Scripture. David was a man after God's own heart. David found favour with God. David shepherded his people skillfully. David ruled with integrity. He took refuge in the Lord. He respected authority. He exhibited self-control. He was a faithful friend. He was repentant. David had an enduring faith. That gives us some insight into David's character. And let me read you one of the most telling descriptions that I think we find of David. It's a record actually of one of his own prayers and we find it in Psalm 131. Let me read it for you. <clears throat> Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. That gives us some insight into David's character, doesn't it? And if there's one word from that that I take to, uh, to summarise what his character is all about, that word is humble. Humble. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. I remember who's saying this. Remember, this is David speaking. Remember his previous list. This is the warrior, the giant killer, the king, the legend. His humility, you see, enabled perspective. David's humility enabled perspective in life. David knew that God was God and he knew that he wasn't. Time and time again, that perspective is evident in David's prayers as we find them. He prayed, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought us this far? Again, he prayed, how great you are, sovereign Lord. There's no one, there's no one like you. Even when David falls short, and as we see in his life, he, he often did, <clears throat> Even then, he finds perspective. Realising his sin, his wrongdoing, he prays to God against you and you only have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Humility enables true perspective. David continues, <clears throat> Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. This picture is striking, isn't it? 
We've all seen that hungry child. We've all heard that hungry child. Many of us have maybe held that hungry child. Squirming, impatient, animated, loud. Contrast that with the weaned child. The child who is still. The child who is quiet. The child who is content just being there with its mother. It's not about getting something, but rather about simply being together. And David's humility allowed him to see himself as that helpless child, fully dependent on God and yet fully content with that position. Again, remember who's speaking here. The best king Israel had ever had. And here, because of his humility, he's able to describe himself as a helpless child in the arms of God. He stilled his soul and closed his mouth. He was safe. He was secure. He was satisfied in God's presence. Just him and God together. Humility enables perspective and humility welcomes solitude. That's what we see described here, isn't it? Just time with God. Solitude. Alone time with God. David learned the value of solitude. And although he was with people extensively, he knew the benefit and he knew the importance and he knew the depth and balance that it brought to life whenever he removed himself for times of solitude, for times with God. And that's one of the ways his humility developed. With this approach and in these moments, David was quiet on the inside, wasn't he? In these moments, external circumstances, though very real, they didn't dictate his response to them or his response in general to life. In those moments, he wasn't busy, busy, busy. He wasn't on edge. Pressure to achieve didn't consume him. Failure and despair didn't haunt him. Irritation and dissatisfaction didn't eat away at him. He was quiet. He was in solitude. He was with his God like a weaned child. And as we reflect on all of that, it's important to pause important to pause and and pull out our focus from David in order to see the full sweep, the full extent of Scripture. From our vantage point in history, we've got a huge advantage over David. We can see God's rescue plan for all mankind play out through the centuries. We can see where David fits in that plan and that while he was undoubtedly a great king, He was merely a foreshadowing of the great king, of the king of kings, of Jesus. Physically, David pointed to Jesus as he was part of his human lineage. Prophetically, David pointed to Jesus through the many songs and prayers that we have recorded. In fact, all of what we know of the the Old Testament as we know it points ahead to God's promised Redeemer. God's promised Messiah, God's promised Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we take that approach, 
we save ourselves from thinking that the Bible is simply an instruction book for life. Because thinking that way makes it all about us and what we must do. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is about Jesus and what he did. Not about us and what we need to do, but about Jesus and what he did. In David, we see humility, imperfect though it is. In Jesus, however, we see perfect humility. Listen to these words from Philippians chapter 2 in the New Testament. You must have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Incredible words. Jesus' death was a once and for all sacrifice for the universal human condition of sin. No one else could pay that price. Jesus' resurrection was a final victory over death. That's the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus for everyone who chooses to believe it. And that's the good news of Jesus that motivates us to worship, that motivates us to gratitude, that motivates us to repent whenever we fall short. That's the good news of Jesus that motivates us to become more like him, to seek the strength of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day -day lives, to become more like Jesus. And that's the good news that motivates us to pursue humility. David's life gives a wonderful human example of humility. Jesus gives us the only reason we need to pursue it. So today, why not just look for some time to find solitude? to simply be with God and meditate on just what it means to be able to say, I am a child of God. May David's prayer be our experience. I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child, my soul is within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Let's pray together. Father, what a privilege it is for us to be able to call you Father, to be known as children of God, children of the Most High. We thank you that because of Jesus, that is possible. So we pray that today we would find that time, we would take that time to 
meditate simply on that truth, to spend time with you, to know your nearness, to know your love, to know the identity that we have, to know the purpose that you give. We give ourselves to you today, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.